everybody says, yeah, failure, the whole movement out there. And, and I think I'm, I guess part of it, you know, is, is failure is okay. And you need, we need to understand failure is the path to success, which is something I say a lot, but it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to actually believe it and live it and do it and move forward despite failure or even sometimes because of failure. And so your mission, Josh, is huge. Are you going to encounter failures and setbacks? Like, absolutely. Like you talk to any, any high achiever and that's sort of the, the, the foundation of my show, Success Through Failure, is I interview these uber successful people, astronauts and billionaires and professional athletes and et cetera, et cetera. And I say, okay, well, you sound like this amazing person. You're on a pedestal. Guys, you know, someone like you, Josh, with multiple Ivy League degrees and everything that you've done. And you go, okay, well, let's get real here. Tell me about how you failed. And I just get these amazing stories of failure. And, and most of them are saying, well, I'll, just, I'll give you one because I have many. And some of them, you're just blown away by these stories of failure. Like, that happened to you? Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. If you're thinking about taking on a personal challenge and you're thinking twice about doing it because you might fail or you might not be able to live up to it, listen to Jim's story. His whole story of his life is about failing and responding by developing resilience and being able to figure out ways to keep going. Everyone can learn from him. I certainly can. I certainly have. Jim has become a friend since my doing his podcast a couple times after my book came out. He talks about how wrestling shifted. It's a physical activity of wrestling shifted his mental perspective on what he could do. Then he talked about how just taking one first step, even not thinking he'd be able to do it, led to this TEDx talk, which has been a big boost to his career. So he talks about the mental processes of choosing to succeed. Not necessarily easy, but if you start choosing and knowing how to choose, then you can succeed. So it's a very motivational story. He sets a very high standard for himself in this part of the podcast. I'm recording this knowing what comes later. So it's Great to hear the standard he sets for himself because he lives up to it, but not at first. He hits some pretty big snags, and then later you'll hear how he resolves them. So here it is. So this is the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm talking to Jim Harshaw. I'll introduce him in a second, but I just want to say, Jim, we were having this really good conversation. He pointed out how you have a podcast, and a lot of times you miss this good stuff at the beginning, right? Yeah. And what I've done lately is I'm starting podcasts at the call. Like it starts with the call. Like I start recording immediately because I think that there's this, a lot of times, does it happen with you that you have this really good conversation and then you say, okay, now I'll hit record and it gets kind of yes. stiff. Yeah. You, because, you know, people think they have to be like sort of a certain person after you hit the record button. And it's like, no, I want the same you that was, uh, we're having the conversation about before you hit record. And then same thing happens like after the recording, you know, we hit, we stop it. And then we have this like five or 10 minute conversation that is just like, wow, why, why didn't you share that on the recording? Yeah. And so that's why I, with you, I started right away, not right away. We talked for how many minutes, like three minutes. 
Yeah, about that. Yeah. And already it was getting really interesting because actually, Jim, you live near Charlottesville, Virginia. And we started talking about how you put me in touch with someone whom I'm going to go talk at her firm, which is in Charlottesville and talk about leadership. That's like, I would call a leadership vacuum going on in the Charlottesville area. The what's going on. I, I mean, we're recording this in mid August. I'm going to record a few more before doing the launch. So people aren't going to hear this until, I don't know, October, November, maybe even December, depending on how the launch goes. But yeah, so I had to start recording right away. So, well, let me introduce you a little bit because people might not know you. So I know Jim, I've done Jim's podcast twice. And in the time since I met you, originally it was, I was promoting my book, but the guests that I see on your podcast keep getting more and more incredible. And it, it was originally about wrestling and how wrestling could contribute to life because you were a division one wrestler. If I remember right, you, here's what I remember of you, of that you were towards the end of your college career, you were pretty good, like top 10 maybe. And there was yeah. one time when you were going up against a top five wrestler and you didn't think that you'd be able to beat the guy and you had a mindset shift and then you did beat the guy. And it was just at the end of your career. And had you made that mind shift earlier, like you didn't, yeah. like physically you didn't change, but mentally you made yourself able to take this on. So then your podcast has shifted into leadership through success through failure. So you went from being specifically about wrestling to about sports, I think more in general, but now it's much more about something more general that I think you get from sports. It's like, no matter how good you are, you're going to lose a game. Michael Jordan put up a lot of buzzer, you know, shots of the buzzers that didn't go in and they lost the game. So did I get that right about the evolution of your podcast and also about that experience with you towards the end of your college career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's really the, the focus of my, I did a TEDx talk uh, at the Charlottesville TEDx event. And it, the focus of that talk was on that experience and it's called success. My talk was called Why I Teach My Children to Fail. And it really came back to this experience as a wrestler where I had, you know, my goal had been to be a division one All-American, which in the wrestling world, it's actually statistically harder to do numbers wise than become for it's harder for a high school wrestler to become a division one All-American than it is for a high school football player to make it to the pros. So it's a hard thing. It's a big benchmark. And my senior year, I'd finally gotten to the point where I was one match away from being a division one All-American, which is top eight. And is this I high school wrestled, this is college. Sorry, this okay. is college. And there's 15,000 people in the arena. It's a big, big event, you know, and and I, I finally, I beat this guy, right? And I had overcome my own self-doubt and all of the failures that I had in the past to beat this guy. But it was this mindset shift. And, and I really didn't talk too much about the mindset shift that happened. Uh, at least I didn't talk about it in the TEDx talk. But the mindset shift was letting go of the outcome and focusing just on the process and enjoying the process. And I really did that my whole senior year in college. And I had more fun than I'd ever had wrestling. And after 17, it was my 17th year in the sport. And uh, I had the most success that I've ever had. So it was an interesting mindset shift that, that I, I very much keep in mind today. Wait, you just stopped. You keep in mind yeah. today. How so? <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, don't leave, leave, leave a click, cliffhanger there. So um, I keep it in mind today at things that I'm trying to accomplish. And sometimes there's a, you know, this self-doubt or this imposter syndrome, that, which has been kind of talked about a lot around these days. And with Sheryl Sandberg had a, had a, I think it was Sheryl Sandberg that had the TED talk about uh, imposter syndrome. And, and so we all have this sort of self-doubt of like, I'm, maybe I'm just not good enough. You know, maybe, you know, why would anybody listen to, to me or to my podcast or, or sign up to be my coaching client, et cetera. 
And then you go, just let go of that and focus on the process. And when you do that, and when I do that, it's amazing the growth that happens. If you, you know, I just heard a quote yesterday where a guy said, confidence is not walking into a room believing you're better than everybody else, but it's walking into a room and not having to compare yourself to anybody else. And when you do that, that level of confidence it just allows you to be the best version of yourself. It allows you to... Self-doubt becomes a non-issue. It's not even about doubt. It's just about I am enough. And I keep reflecting on these other people. This um, woman's wrestler, she's a Helen Maroulis is her name. She's a, the first ever Olympic gold medalist wrestler for the United States. She just won the, the gold at the most recent Olympics. And she had to beat the best wrestler of all time. This other woman who's a, like a four-time Olympic gold medalist and just unbelievable. And Helen beat this woman. And when she talked about how she sort of had that mindset shift to win, she said, I just decided that I am enough. And whenever we decide that I am enough, because we look around and there's other people who have accomplished the things that we want to accomplish. And we just go, okay, listen, I'm going to focus on the process, not the outcome because, and I'm going to have the belief that I am enough. And then you just start taking action. And we, like you and I started talking about before you hit the record button is, is when you start taking action, amazing things happen. And you don't even know what those things are going to be. Like you were just telling me that one thing that had to happen that like you couldn't have possibly predicted that, but you just had a self-confidence and started stepping forward and opportunities arise. Yeah. Have I ever read you that Goethe quote that I came across? It's not actually by Goethe. And let me see. I just happen to have, it's not actually by Goethe, the German philosopher, writer, person. It's attributed to Goethe, but it's not Goethe, but it goes like this. Until one is committed, there's hesitancy, the chance to draw back. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there's one elementary truth, that ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things happen to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issue from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamed would have come his way. Wow. It happens over and over again. Yeah. If you plan and plan and plan, you can plan forever and nothing ever happens. But if you act, stuff happens. It's like, my theory is that people all have dreams and they want their dreams to happen. But most people don't want to risk failure or they, you know, they have their emotional, their fears, their inhibitions. And so they don't try. And so when you try, they'd rather help you achieve your dreams than have no dreams happen in their lifetime. Yeah. And so that when you take initiative, people are like, oh, wow, this guy's taking initiative. I want to help him. And they feel like, good, I'm making someone's dreams come true. At least someone is having their dreams come true. And yeah. so you're actually helping others. You know, it was similar to that whenever I applied for the TEDx talk in Charlottesville. It was one of those days where I was just driving to work. I heard on the radio that the Charlottesville TEDx event was happening. It's, it's actually one of the, there's like 7,000 TEDx events in the world and Charlottesville's among the top 1%. It's big. It's a big one. And I heard, I heard they said that, you know, we have our whole lineup of speakers and we're opening the doors to one, to an audition for one community speaker. And I'm like, ah, you know, the first thought is, ah, that's not for me. I'm not good enough. They're not looking for somebody like me. I'm like, Get that, you know, focus on the process. And so I sent in it, it, the application was due by the end of by that afternoon. So, you know, throughout the day, I'm like, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to send in my application. The application is basically a two minute video. So, about an hour before it was due, I ran out to my car, held my phone in front of my face, and I, I hit record and, and recorded my video. And then about a week later, they said, Hey, 65 people applied. 
25 people got chosen to speak at a, an open mic night. 25 of us, there was 500 people in the audience and the audience picked one winner, one speaker that would speak at the main event a month later. And I was, I got chosen, right? <laughs> and then, awesome. and then I go on and do this TEDx talk at the main event. And it was just incredible. You know, it, it came off very well, but it all, I, I could have never, Josh, I could have never predicted that. I was just driving to work one day and actually let me back up further. I knew that I needed to be a better public speaker. So I signed up for Toastmasters and I never could have predicted this would have led to a TEDx talk, but I just, I signed up for Toastmasters. I stepped into a meeting, started going to the meetings, you know, heard about this TEDx thing, decided to take another action and submit my video. And, and it just created this chain reaction of events. So you can't predict by taking the first step, whatever the first step is, it doesn't matter, just one step. Okay, you're, you, and for the listener, you're thinking like, okay, there's, but there's five different steps I could take. I could call this person, I could sign up for that. I could take this course, I could spend some time researching that. I could read this book. It's like, doesn't matter. Do one, do one of them. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are afraid if I do, what if, I, if there's A, B, and C and I do A, but what if B is the one I really should do? The best way to find out which is the best one, I mean, first do some analysis, some, but once you've ruled out, like it's one of these things, pick one, either that one is going to be so amazing that you never regret it. Or if another one is more valuable to you, it will not leave your mind. And the one that you're like, say B is really the most awesome one. And A could be, but really isn't. And you accidentally pick A. That's not a tragedy. What will happen is that B will stick in your mind. It will still stay there and A will eventually run out and then you'll switch to B. But no analysis would get you that, would tell you that. You have to do it. Right. Yeah. And I would offer this too, is if one of your options involves meeting with another person or calling another person, I would do that one because usually more information isn't what you need. It's another person who can give you information or connect you with the right person. It's usually people that really help move things forward. It's not reading another book or listening to another podcast or doing more research. It's you have to do that fundamentally, that the sort of foundation. But after that, it's like, talk to people, meet with people, reach out to people. Yeah. And another part about other people being involved is there's an element of public accountability that, or when you have an element of public accountability, it gets things done. If you have little goals for yourself, not bad. I mean, I think it's better to have goals than not have goals. But when someone else is going to see the results of what you do, you get it done. It's in a way that, at least in my experience, that, that you know, if you say, I'm going to get up out of bed and ready to go in a certain amount of time, you know, a lot of times people like, if you say that before you fall asleep, sometimes you wake up, you're like, oh, I'll stay in bed a little bit longer. I'll snooze a bit. But if you have to get to some, if you have to like perform in front of someone, you will get out of bed quick. Yeah. Bingo. I mean, that is such a key to, I believe, high achievement, peak performance and getting what you want out of life is just that, is having that accountability, whether it's self-accountability, whether it's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the self-accountability of writing it down. I do the five minute journal. I just did my five minute journal entry before I got on the call. And like, I noticed now that I'm doing this five minute journal, like there's even a bit of self-accountability. I just wrote it, write things down about like what, you know, what would make today great is one of the questions, you know, and there's three spots and and you, you write them down and you go, okay, okay. Well, like, I guess I have to do that. You know, if it means like, yeah. if it's using your example, like, you know, for maybe the next day, like getting out of bed early and, and getting dressed and out the door by such and such time, if I, even if I don't have to be out somewhere, well, but if you write it down, it 
you're pretty much holding yourself accountable to it. But uh, but then you have the other level of actually being part of a group or telling somebody else or you know having some sort of outside accountability that takes it to the next level. Yeah, actually, it's funny that you were just writing your questions. And before I got on with you, I was writing, uh, yesterday I interviewed, do you know, have you met Dove Barron yet? No, you've mentioned his name to me before though. I'll have to connect you guys. So he, I interviewed him yesterday and I asked him what, he was really inspiring. He was like, I don't know. He gives out his phone number in our conversations. Like if anyone wants to call me, call me. And so I gave out my phone number too, which I never planned to do. And I was like, if anyone, cause I was talking about my food and how much I love having people over. And I was like, if you listen to this year in New York or nearby, give me a call. I'll, I'll make you lunch. And at the end, I was like, I was asking him advice for what I could do next. And he said, answer these three questions. One is answer why five times. And then the next one was, uh, he gave me these questions. And so just before talking to you, I started three blog posts with the questions that he gave me. So that I will have these blog posts go up and the world will see my answers of, and people who listen to the podcast with Dove will hear why I'm doing it. And, you know, I'm trying to make it more out there because, you know, I'm increasingly comfortable calling myself the Martin Luther King of the environment, or the Nelson Mandela of the environment, which has been hard for me to get to, but public accountability, I'm going to go out there and, you know, if I call myself the Nelson Mandela of the environment and I sit at home twiddling my thumbs all the time, that's not a very consistent between my, the, what I'm <laughs> calling myself and how I'm behaving. I got to really deliver. Sure. I want to go back a bit to something you were saying about this mindset shift. You coach people, you coach, I think wrestling and you coach in professional people to be more effective professionally or what? Yeah. What, yeah. What I'm more, yeah. I spend most of my time on the coaching side of, uh, I don't really even coach wrestling much anymore. I do a little bit, but it's more just for recreation. Um, but yeah, I coach, I'm a professional coach, life coach, personal coach, executive coach, whatever you want to call it, you know, performance coach. And I help people get clear on their goals, figure out what's the next right next step for them and, and help them sort of live the life that they want to live and feel more in balance. So like so many people feel unfocused and out of balance in their life. And, and I help them get clear and, and get focused and, uh, and get back in balance. Have you coached people through that mindset shift? I have, you know, interestingly, I'm working with a guy right now who, when we got to that point in my coaching program, it was really profound for him because we go through these, these four steps to this program. It's identifying your core values as step one, and then tethering your core values to your goals. And we have written goals and sort of action plans. And then uh, that's the second part. And then the third step is the environment of excellence, which I can talk more about, but that's sort of um, getting surrounded yourself with the right people and the right podcasts and the right media coming into your world. And then we have, and then the fourth step is a follow through. Uh, how are you going to follow through on this long term? Because that's where most people kind of fall off when setting goals. But then we talk about mindset. And it was really profound for him he, when I was explaining to him that, that when you have this mindset shift, it's not that I'll use the wrestling example. And this is sort of, we, he and I talked about sports and res, you know, a lot of sort of sports analogies. But um, when you make that mindset shift, when I made that mindset shift in wrestling, my whole senior year, really, it wasn't, there weren't new techniques that I learned, although I continued to work on my techniques. There weren't new techniques that I learned. I didn't do new and innovative things that I learned in terms of techniques but I took different actions. Like I did different things that were based on the mindset as opposed to what I actually learned technically. So, you know, my reaction times were different. I was more in a flow state. I was more comfortable with 
just who I am and who I was as a wrestler. And I just let those things flow as opposed to trying to think about them and and force them to happen. And what that looks like in the real world is for somebody trying to figure out what's the next step for them or, or trying to maybe start a business or get to the next level. It's like what that looks like is you may have to make phone calls every day in your job. But when you have the mindset shift, you're still making phone calls, but they're just different phone calls. Or either maybe you're calling different people, or maybe if you're calling the same people, your tone of voice is different. Not because you're trying to have a different tone of voice, but because your mindset has shifted. And that tone of voice shift may come across as confidence to the person on the other end of the line, and they might buy more from you or buy, buy more into your whatever it is that you're selling. So it's just that when you, when you have that mindset shift, different things happen. And not because you're physically trying to make those different things happen, but because that mindset shift is just creating those new things in front of you. The reason I'm asking about that mindset shift is that, well, first it sounds like there's a, for you, when you're coaching, you set up, you want your clients to succeed. And so you create a context in which that mindset shift will take root. If I heard you right of, sure. of, yeah. of the people around them and the, the podcasts that they listen to. And, the, and so you want them to succeed. So that's going to work. I'm working with a situation where I'm interviewing a lot of people for this podcast and I ask them to take on a personal challenge and some of them do, and it's this tremendous experience and some of them aren't able to, they give up and they, I haven't done many second interviews yet. I've, I've done the first interviews where people take on a challenge and they sound enthusiastic when they do it. And a couple of them are friends of mine. So I keep in touch with them. What, you know, in between, you know, I interact with them in between the first interview and the second interview and I ask how it's going. And a couple of them have said, like, it's too hard. I can't do it. There's too much stuff going on in my life. And it's no different than the other people who are doing it and making it work. And I'm wondering if there's a mindset shift that it can help them through or, you know, because a lot of times you were saying people have this feeling of like, I'm not good enough. And a lot of people have this feeling in the the environment is like all these reasons that are not if they want, they can let those reasons be enough not to do it. Like they'll say stuff like, what difference does what I do make? Or if no one else changes, what different, you know, then it doesn't matter what I do or the plane was going to fly anyway or things like that. And a lot of what you're saying, you were saying that you didn't care about what the other people were doing. It was just what you did, what you thought was right. Yeah. A good sort of another good example of this is like Elon Musk, right? We all know Elon Musk, like just huge thinker makes huge things happen. Like, You can't just go, okay, I'm going to do what Elon Musk does. You can't become the next or sort of your version of an Elon Musk by trying to be him or by doing the things that he does. You have to work on the mindset shift because when you have the mindset shift, then huge things begin to happen. Does that make sense? Like when the mindset shift happens, you just approach the same problems from a different perspective. Yeah, I was thinking for some reason in my mind, I always think of if you want to go on a date with someone, I date girls. So if I want to date a girl and I really want to go on a date with her, then if it rains, I'm like, I'll figure it out. If other stuff comes up, I'm like, I'll figure it out. I'm going to make this date happen. But if I don't want to go on a date with her, if it rains, I'm like, uh, you know what? Let's postpone it. Yeah. And if little things come up, you're like, oh, let's not do it. And it's the same rain. But if you really want to do something, you figure it out. You get through it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Now, yeah, so replicate that example into anything else in the world. It's like, okay, yes, there are going to be obstacles. But what's your mindset around it? Is it 
I'm still going to make this happen, whether I have to go over, under, around, through, whatever. Yeah, actually, I know you've, you've interviewed Akshay. So uh, yeah. he's going to go through, I think it was a week with no packaging, no food packaging for any food. And he's all set to do it. Now, this is a guy, how many ultra marathons has this guy done? He's right. served in the Marines in Afghanistan. And then I get this email from him. And he's like, you know, I forgot I have to go to this thing and they're only going to serve, like, I don't know what they're going to serve me. And so I might not be able to make it. Should we restart it? And I'm like, no, we're not going to restart it. First of all, <laughs> find a way. First of all, I'm, my goal is not in this podcast is not propaganda. I'm not trying to give people like some idealized version of how easy it is to do these changes. I recognize that even if for me, it turned out that, you know, not eating packaged food was, first of all, it was zero for two and a half weeks, but since then it's a lot less, like it's very little but not zero, but it's still like, for me, it's ended up being a tremendous benefit. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy for another person. It's going to, everyone has their own situation. But this guy does all this, like you're Marine, like your whole thing is about taking on incredible challenges and you're running ultra he runs across, Yeah, he runs across countries, yeah. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to, I'm like, just tell him you're not going to eat that food and have some water and you can, you know, you, <laughs> you're not going to die. That's, I didn't say that because that would be very right. insensitive. And I don't think it's <laughs> to lead to my way of looking at things is not what will lead him. It's his way. I have to be where he is. But I think it would have been more useful. Maybe there's something from the beginning that I can tell him, keep in mind that this is something that might come up or like maybe say to him, you know, you're going to face challenges that you didn't expect that you would face. Because two big ones that are coming up with a, a few people are when you interface with another person, a spouse perhaps or boss, things that you would do on your own suddenly it becomes harder in a way that people can't predict. So that's one thing that trips people up. Another one is travel. When you get away from where you're in control of your environment as much as you are in your own home, people seem to trip up with that one too. And maybe if I got them saying, you are going to, like, yes, now you say, you feel like, oh, I can do it. And you feel strong. And you feel like whatever comes your way, you'll handle it. But things are going to come your way that you didn't think of. And Put yourself in the mindset now that you will do it no matter what. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, advice sure. sure. Yeah. My sort of question that I help people whenever they run into, yeah, I'd like to do that, but I can't. The question I always ask is, okay, I know you can't, you know, you say that you can't, but hypothetically, what if there was a way that you could, what would that look like? If you had to come up with a solution, hypothetically, this is going to happen how would you deal with that obstacle or that problem? And they go, well, I guess I would have to do this or that or the other thing. And then all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, they're coming up with solutions that are real. They're actual solutions that they could implement and then they go implement them. You know? so, and again, it's just that, it's that mindset shift of I can, I just need to find a way, right? Or mm -hmm. instead of saying, I don't have time, the mindset shift is, well, I just don't, I'm not making that a priority, right? I don't have time to work out is a silly excuse. A, the right way to frame it is, I'm just not making it a priority. Mm -hmm. Or in Akshay's example, you know, I have to go to this event and they may serve packaged foods. So I can't do what I want to do and go a week without packaged foods. It's okay. I'm going to go to this event. If there were hypothetically a way for me to get through this event, what would that be? Then you start going, okay, well, I could put a clip bar in my pot. Well, a clip bar is packaged food. So yeah. whatever, you know, <laughs> so I, I don't even know. I mean, it'd be hard to do. So, but whatever, he would, he would come up with solutions, right? And that's the mindset shift that you have to have. You know, like for my podcast, I was like, man, I'd love to get Tim Ferriss on, you know? 
And I'm like, ah, he would never come on my podcast. And I had the, and then, I, and then the switch flipped in my head. I'm like, screw that. Like, and I invited Tim Ferriss on my podcast and he, and he committed to coming on my podcast. <laughs> it's like, it's awesome. just, but it was a mindset shift, right? It was like, it's like, stop limiting yourself and figure out if there was a way, what would be the way? And I had to be a little creative about it. And, uh, and it worked. You know, this is the whole premise of, of, you know, I got this, the science curator for Ted. I just interviewed him yesterday and you know, I'm not in Ted yet, but you know, one of the reasons he's working with me, he believes in what I'm doing, but also when we talk, he's like, yeah, you're not there yet, but you know, you could do a Ted talk, like Ted, full Ted. Right. And yeah, TEDx. he said, you have to have one clear message. And, and what I'm coming up with is that people see changing the behavior for reducing their emissions and pollution as deprivation and sacrifice. And what you just said is what I want it to be, which is you can do this. And when you do it, all sorts of things open up and it becomes this incredible thing. And that's what I want people to see. Not polluting is not, you don't get to go to Machu Picchu. It's you do get to, and then you figure that out based on your values. In my case, knowing my neighbors, taking advantage of what's around me. And for me, a lot of it is in food, but also it's been like my relationship with Francis Hesselbein, for example. And it's something that I've put effort into because she's here. And I don't know if you know who she is, but she's, you know, she was born during World War I. And I'm thinking someone who lived wow. through World War I, through Prohibition, through the Great Depression, through World War II, she comes from as different a culture as anyone in the world. I mean, that's a totally different world. And that wouldn't have happened had I not been here to take advantage of that relationship. And other people have their things. And if you don't do X, but you value, say, clean air and water more, this is your chance to develop all those things. And so you're looking at it. Maybe the, another piece to add into it is not just what you're not doing, but think of what you can do. If you overcome this thing, what else yeah. can you overcome? If you do this, what will, like, how will a solution happen? Maybe I should start more putting people more into a problem-solving mode as opposed to just a commitment mode. Yeah, I mean, when you phrase it that way, you know, I, I, instead of saying I don't get to go to Machu Picchu, what's the positive side of that equation, right? What's the other way to look at it? What's the, the optimist's way to look at it, you know? And it's like, well, okay, well, I get to build stronger and better relationships with my neighbors. Like, pretty awesome. I mean, the most important thing in people's lives really is relationships. So it's like, how can that be made better? And it's just a different way to look at the same problem. You know, it's, it's again, going back to the Elon Musk kind of mindset is like, there's huge insurmountable problems that he looks at. Everybody sees them as insurmountable problems. He goes, oh, there's no, there's a way around it. And here it is. This is the way we're going to do it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a mindset shift. And the same thing about the date, you know, we're looking at, you know, it's on different ends of the, the spectrum, but like same thing, right? I can't go on this date because it's raining or, oh, I can, I just have to do it this way. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I'm starting to think that the this podcast, I hope you don't mind my just kind of letting my thoughts run out loud. Love it. Yeah, that great. at the beginning... I thought I was going to lead a lot of people through these changes and the rest of the world would get to hear the changes. And 
that would inspire them to change themselves. And they'd realize like when they hear me talking to Leonardo DiCaprio, which I haven't booked him yet, but uh, they'll hear him and they'll think, oh, if he can do it, I can do it too. Or, and they'd listen to people going through these challenges. And what started at first sounding like deprivation and sacrifice, they'd hear how much it opened things up and so forth. I think also, I hope that there's going to be over time an evolution of Josh. Because I got to tell you, there's so many times I've wanted to give up and so many times I felt like there's no point. And then the guests get me through things. And I mean, I'll walk a guest through something and they'll say, well, you know, I, I woke up the next morning and I didn't feel like doing it. I'm like, oh man, this is, if people who I talk to one-on-one don't do it and give up, they're not giving up, they're choosing other things. Then what hope do I have for, to influence, if I can't influence a friend, how am I going to influence 7.6 billion? But then each time you hit failure, you got to adjust and figure out a different way of doing it. I mean, I can give up. I can just, I can certainly afford to go to Machu Picchu and have a good time. And, you know, future generations, they can deal with my pollution. But that's just not how I look at things. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, you know, failure is something that I talk about, obviously, a lot. And it's hard. You know, everybody says, yeah, failure, failures, you know, the whole movement out there. And, and I think I'm, I guess part of it, you know, is that failure is okay. And you need, we need to understand failure is the path to success, which is something I say a lot. Failure is the path to success. But it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to actually believe it and live it and do it and move forward despite failure or even sometimes because of failure. And, and so your mission, Josh, is huge. Are you going to encounter failures and setbacks? Like, of co- like absolutely. Like you talk to any, any high achiever and that's sort of the foundation of my show, Success Through Failure, is I take on these, I interview these uber successful people, astronauts and billionaires and professional athletes and et cetera, et cetera. And I say, okay, well, you sound like this amazing person. You're on a pedestal. Guys, you know, someone like you, Josh, with multiple Ivy League degrees and everything that you've done. And you go, okay, well, tell me, get, let's get real here. Tell me about how you failed. And I just get these amazing stories of failure. And most of them are saying, well, I'll give you one because I have many. And some of them, you're just like blown away by these stories of failure. Like, like really? Like that happened to you? And then when, when people can kind of understand that and internalize it, they go, okay, well, maybe my failures aren't so bad because really inside, like we're, we don't seek failure. We don't want to fail, right? We actually, when we do something, we want it to work. But when we fail, it creates this, this sense of I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not capable enough or I just can't do this or the universe isn't you know, ready for this kind of change yet, like the change that you're talking about. But it's like, it's, no, it's, I've done this and I've discovered a way that doesn't work and I'm now more prepared than ever to make this happen. I may have to go down a different route. I may have to take three steps back and go uh, up a different path. But failure is absolutely the path to success. And the more you look into this, the more you think about it, the more you read about it, the more you do like I do and interview people and, and talk to uber successful people, the more you go, okay, failure is normal. And that's my whole goal is to normalize failure. Yeah, it's, I guess you started by saying that you, you're part of this movement. But I think you were, some of the movement, I think some people talk about failure and haven't failed. And they're kind of jumping on a bandwagon. And some people have like failed. And the things I've failed, like I've had, I've cried at work. I've, oh my God, did I tell you about, I think maybe with you, I talked about the time when I was like not picked to play in sports and it was like a major life shift where, yeah. Yeah. And everyone go to 
Jim's podcast. Listen to my interview with him and you can hear that story. Yeah. Episode 85, I think, is the most recent one. I did two with you. There was one in the 40s, I think, and then 85 was the most recent one. Oh, yeah. I was, I'm very proud that you mentioned me in your 100th episode. And yeah. Very, I was like, oh, I'm in there with the big ones. And um, yeah. the thing is, like, when it happens, I coach people through this. And then it happens to me. And I'm like, ah, I forgot. And that, like, the emotion that you feel, actually, I think psychologists call it an empathy gap. There's like a term for it. You become a different person almost. And you forget, like, logically, you know that this is going to happen. But when you feel it, you're like, it, that goes out the window. I, I mean, I guess with practice, it gets there. But when I, when I hit the failures that I've hit on this Leadership in the Environment podcast, it's different than the failures before. And so I feel like, oh, this is like, yes, I made it through those things, but this one is really too hard. And when I say it to you now, it sounds like obvious, but when I'm in it, it just, it's hard to get through. I guess you, it takes a while to train yourself to get through those things. Yeah. And that's the thing about failure is it's painful and it sucks. And, oh, and yeah. it's not like you go through failure because you have a, a mindset shift and you go, oh, this is great. This is, this is really enjoyable. It's like, no, it's like no matter what, it's going to suck because you didn't try to fail. You actually tried to, to win or, or succeed or, or achieve a goal, but you failed. But it's like, it's having the presence of mind going, okay, things are going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, which I, I think comes through experience like nothing else is that presence of mind is... Sure. And I think... That was I going to say. The well, let me share a quick story. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll pop back in your mind. So I interviewed a guy recently who his podcast his episode is going to be for anybody who wants to listen. It's going to be around 110 or so, give or take a couple. His name is Justin Ren W R E N, and he's a big guy. He's a UFC fighter, one of the best in the world. He's got a like six. He's like 16 and two. He's I mean he's really really good. Wait, is and he the guy with the bloody face on the picture on your? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah I that I'm like, holy uh, cow, this guy looks the, serious. There's two guys. What they actually, he might be. There's two guys with bloody faces. So I interviewed two different guys, UFC guys, in recent months here. So this guy Justin, he's a big, powerful force of nature, right? And you look at this guy; he's just an unstoppable machine. Not only is he big and intimidating looking, there's other big, intimidating looking guys in his weight class that he has to fight in, in UFC, but he beats them, right? He's like the one of the best. And when I interviewed him. Josh, oh my goodness, the vulnerability that he shared, the failures, the struggle that he shared were, whew, I mean, it, they were life-changing. Honestly, like it impacted me in such a deep and profound way. But when he shared these failures, Josh, it gave him, and this is what I've understood, and this is what I've come to realize, the, the deeper the failure that someone's willing to share with me on my podcast, the more credibility that they earn with my listeners. And he shares some, some deep and powerful stuff, you know, and you did too. And Akshay did too. We're talking about Akshay. Whenever that happens, it, it just opens the door to people wanting to help. So I encourage people to be as real as they can, share your failures because it boosts credibility. Whatever you're a person who says, you know, who comes on, you know, my podcast or, or goes through life kind of hiding their failures, people don't connect with you as well. Or I should say the other, more about the flip side. It's, it's when you share your failures and you're more vulnerable, people are more connected with you. They can empathize with you and they want to side with you. And, and for some reason, I don't understand this psychologically, but it gives you more credibility. It's amazing. I've seen <laughs> yeah, it over and over. Yeah. And listeners have heard me talk about this time when Marshall Goldsmith was uh, just pointing out these, how it was not opening up and not being... I was talking to him for a couple hours and he was just like, Josh, 
in this whole conversation, you've said one thing, one thing that made you sound human and approachable and everything else was like how great you are. And <laughs> I was like, it really, he said, you know, that's one of the great things about Marshall is you hang out with him and like you walk away and you're like, it's not that you feel bad. It's not that you feel like dirt. You feel like raw, like, oh, that's exposed. You feel like, yeah, like uh, you just exposed a nerve and you're like, <laughs> that's great. And those kind the, of people are good to have in your life. Yeah. It's like not pleasant, but it makes the rest of life more pleasant. And yeah, I guess I'm going to have to let go of the thing that I was trying to think of before. Maybe I'll like, as I listened through this, maybe I'll put it in the beginning or the end that the pre-recording or post-recording thing, I want to switch cool. over to the environment though. And is it something you care about? I mean, you put me in touch with Tish and it tells me you're in touch with the world of what's the environment to you. Yeah. So what does the environment mean to me? I was an environmental science major at the University of Virginia. So it's something that's, it's very close to my heart. I was actually at dinner last night with a group of friends, my wife and I, with a group of friends from out of town. And we were talking about eating fish. And the one guy, his daughter is a pescatarian. And he talked about how her mercury levels have gone through the roof in her body. And we can't even live off, you know, of fish, of, of something that's in our environment because it can poison us. And the one guy sitting at the table, he's like, wow, he's like, that's crazy. He's like, how do people back in the day do it? You know, they, they must've been really poisoned. I'm like, no, I'm like, like, no, like, you know, hundreds of years ago, like they didn't have to deal. This wasn't a thing. He's like, oh, what do you mean? It's like, well, pollution, like this is what we're doing to our environment. And uh, a lot of people just don't understand it. I mean, that, that was, that for him, that was a huge shift. Like, oh, so we, are, he's not an environmental guy. He's just not in that world. He's actually the head wrestling coach at the University of Virginia, who I interviewed on my podcast. Amazing, amazing individual. Talk about sharing vulnerability and failures. He's an amazing guy. But that's just not his world. I'm an outdoors guy. I was, you know, love being outside and, and do a lot of outdoor activities. And uh, so with him, that was one conversation. I think that's a, it was a total, total game changer and mindset shift for him, you know, to understand that we are damaging our planet, we are damaging our environment, and it's affecting us. It's not just affecting the people who are tree huggers, right? It's, it's affecting like everybody, like his children are being affected by this. So it's something that's, that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I've been saying a lot, like, even if you don't care, even if you don't believe in global warming, you don't want mercury in your fish, you don't Amen. want to eat poison. And that, you know, pollution and global warming are totally separate issues. And right. So have you thought of a, of a personal challenge to take on? And, and <sighs> No, I haven't. Okay, so the idea here is a personal challenge that it's not something trivial, but it also doesn't have to be, don't feel encumbered like you have to solve global warming yourself tomorrow, but something that will make a difference that will lower your greenhouse emissions or will reduce your pollution or will cause you to draw down on non-renewable resources less. <laughs> Love and it. Something that, makes a difference. And yeah, I've I mean, got you, an idea. You got an idea? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think you might've mentioned this to me in an email about this that you were going to ask. And it, it, I, I love this. I love this. So this is, it's something that we, we can all do, right? We can all do something small. And so a few months ago, I learned that there, uh, I live about eight miles from downtown Charlottesville and um, my office is in town and I learned that there is, I live in a development, you know, kind of outside of town. I learned that there is um, public transportation that comes up here. It's like a, it's, it's a sort of a, a small bus more or less that, that comes up here and, and can shuttle you right down into town. And I could do that. 
So my schedule, a lot of times I'm out and about driving around town. So I have to meet with people. So I can't do it every day, but I'm going to commit to, to taking that four times in the next 30 days, at least. It'd be at least, let's say, say once a week, at least, because most days I'm, I'm traveling around and meeting people, but I'm going to commit to doing that four times in the next 30 days. Okay. So not taking it gratuitously, but like to replace car trips. To replace car trips. Yep. Okay. So between now and today's August 19th, so between now and September 19th, at least four car trips would be replaced by taking this public transportation. Yeah. So that's about, you know, every day, you know, round trip is about 30 mile or not 30 miles. And every day round trip is about 20 miles. So 80 miles of travel, 80 miles of car travel will be replaced by, uh, by me just jumping on the bus that's already making that trip anyway. And, and, you know, so you look at like the, the other sort of, it's like, okay, am I depriving myself? Well, I sure, but I can also look at the other side and go, I have to walk about half a mile to get to where the bus leaves from. So I will get a little bit of extra exercise, get a few more steps in. And when I'm sitting on the bus, uh, as opposed to when I'm driving, I will be able to maybe bang out a few things on my phone, you know, get through a couple of the, the emails uh, that I always have to check whenever I get uh, to my office and actually maybe be more productive. So there's some real positives to this. I bet there's unknowns that are going to be even greater right. than the things you just predicted. And, and like we started talking about at the beginning of the show, when you take action, right? When you do something, take one action, that's going to be my action. There are going to be other, like you, just like you said, there are going to be other things that happen that are positive that I can't even imagine what they are. And you know, maybe maybe another one of those is like one or two guys on my street are going to see me walking or I'm going to tell them about it and they might join me. Who knows? I mean, there, there are going to be things that I can't even predict. And I think a bigger thing is going to be something not external, but internal that Maybe it's going to happen that with four days left to go, you haven't done it once. And you're going to say, <laughs> I don't have any excuses. And I have, how am I going to make this happen? Like what, if I could make this happen, even though I don't have time to do this and I have to take a car, how am I going to do this? And you're going to figure something out. And mm-hmm. that, what you figure out is going to be something so valuable to you. It's going to be some internal shift. I'm excited. Like I mean, I, I didn't, I couldn't agree more. You know, there's going to be an internal shift because I'm actually doing something. I'm not just thinking about it. I'm not just talking about it. And then whenever I actually take action and do it, I would imagine, you know, it's going to be certainly come, it's going to come up in conversation with other people, right? It's going to maybe make me think, oh, uh, well, maybe I can do this. You know, maybe I'll start looking at my counter and going, maybe there's some other times I can do this, you know? And plus, if I'm saving a gallon of gas, I'm saving a few bucks. It's like, it, there's just so many positives and, and so many mindset shifts that could happen there. So I'm excited to do it. I'm so glad you challenged me to this, Josh. This is what I want. The change with you, the discovery is like what I want to spread throughout the world. You know, this is my goal. All right. So now we're going to schedule the second one. So I propose a month from now would be the 19th, September 19th. Yep. We could do then if that works for you. Yeah. Another conversation. Yeah. Yes. And cool. Anything else? To, I mean, I now I feel like it's set. It's going to be minimum four replaced car trips with public transportation. Yeah. And also, so people here... You said this, but like in New York City, public transit is like trivial to take. It's like standard. Right. Yeah. Every, that's what you do when you're there. Right. And for in you, Charlottesville, it's not. It's not. No, yeah, you're I mean, not in some I mean, place live, where it's easy. Right. And there's public transportation, but it doesn't come out this far. I mean, I used to live closer to the city and or in the city. And, you know, I could actually did it periodically. And sometimes I rode my bike to work and to the office. And But now it's just not even, it's really not an option out here until, you know, I discovered this sort of one service that does this public transportation out here. So um, people listening so, yeah. at home can't just say, 
oh, well, it's easy for him, but not for me. Oh, absolutely. No, this is public transportation is not, I, there's no, I don't know anybody out in my development <laughs> in this area that, that does this. Obviously there are people who apparently do it. I don't know any of them. All right. Anything else that I didn't think to bring up to bring up before wrapping up? I don't think so. I mean, if, if people, um, you know, talk about a lot about sort of helping people get clarity on what's the next step for them, helping them get focused and figuring out what the right goals are for them and, and finding balance in their life. So if anybody is interested in having a conversation with me about that, you can jump on a free, just sort of 30 minute call and kind of, it's not a sales call. I always tell people that, you know, I'm sure everybody thinks it's a sales call. It's not. It's just, I love having these conversations. It's what I meant to do. It's what I'm good at. And so if anybody just wants to have that kind of conversation with me, just go to jimharshawjr.com slash apply. And it's just uh, apply for a call with me and uh, love to love to talk to some of your listeners, Josh. Great. And I'm getting results just in this call. And I wasn't calling for results. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you have great conversations like this. So me too. I'm obviously getting results too. So love it. Win-win. Great. So then I will talk to you in about a month. If you have questions or something that if I can help you with them in the meantime, let me know. And otherwise I'll talk to you in a month and I really look forward to hearing how this goes. Yeah. Likewise, I'm looking forward to doing it. I'll talk to you then. Thanks, Josh. Bye. Bye. I know how Jim's challenge goes. I'm recording my voice right now after having recorded my conversations with him to follow that unforeseen issues come up and how he handled them. In fact, how he handles these challenges shows how to use one of the biggest problems other guests have hit to help him. So the spoiler alert is that it's other people. You'll hear in the next episode of how he handles them and what the problems are. Most people don't anticipate how other people complicate your personal change or your personal challenge. Jim shows how he can hit those things, but then also how to transform that hurdle into a solution. So I look forward to seeing you on the next episode with Jim. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and Living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.